Hello and welcome to the Locked On Boston Bruins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I am your host, Ian McLaren, and this is a daily Boston Bruins podcast where we discuss all things spoke to be, as well as take a look around the NHL. Today we're going to be talking about the Bruins' uh, recent slump. Uh, They lost two games over the weekend, one in regulation to the Detroit Red Wings, and last night in a shootout to the Philadelphia Flyers. It was bound to happen. Uh, Regression has arrived, and we'll dive into that uh, here in a moment. But I just wanted to let you know that to keep up with the Locked On Boston Bruins podcast, you can follow the show on Twitter at LO underscore Boston Bruins. You can also find me on Twitter at Ian C. McLaren or email the show directly at LockedOnBostonBruins at gmail.com. Please subscribe to Locked On Boston Bruins on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, Pocket Casts, wherever else you listen. And please also rate and review. Like I mentioned, to kick off today's show, we'll talk about the weekend that was. Coming up in the second segment, we'll take a look at the Atlantic Division Power Rankings and see where the Bruins uh, sit in relation to their divisional competition especially after this uh, little bit of a slide that they're going through. And then, as always, to close the show, we'll take a look at some storylines around the NHL. Now, like I mentioned, the Bruins began their weekend with a regulation loss to the Detroit Red Wings. I'm not going to get into that game too much. It's kind of one uh, to forget. Um, Personally, I wasn't too upset with the result because uh, I'm a big-time Guelph Storm supporter up here in the Ontario Hockey League. And uh, Robbie Fabry was making his Detroit Red Wings debut. He scored two goals for Detroit. Uh, both were assisted by Tyler Bertuzzi. And both of those players were part of the 2014 uh, OHL champion uh, Guelph Storm team that uh, went to the Memorial Cup and lost in the final, unfortunately. Um, so it was kind of cool to see them uh, reconnect. Uh, but Obviously, from a Boston Bruins perspective, it was quite uh, discouraging to see them fall to a team that had gone something like 1-11 and and 1 in their last 13 games prior to that game. So, um, Tuka Rask said it was just one of those games, just like nothing was happening for long periods of time. Some chances, both sides, then it picked up a little bit there. I thought we played better too in the second period. Cut the lead down to one and got a push. It's tough when you're chasing it, especially down by two. We made an effort and just couldn't get a couple goals. Um, and Marchand kind of alluded to the theme of today's podcast, which is you know regression and the fact that they weren't going to sustain their early season success for the whole 82 games. Uh, Marchand said it's going to happen. What's our record? 11-3-2 or something like that. I'm not worried, but obviously we're not happy with it. We'll regroup and get ready for the next one, which was last night against Philadelphia, which we'll touch on in a moment. He said, you try to stay even keel, whether you're playing well or playing bad. You roll with the punches, get ready for next game, and take what you can learn and move on. You can't get stuck on a game first week of November. We'll regroup and get ready for the next one. And I think that's key there, what he said about it being... The first week of November, obviously this team went very deep in the playoffs last year, and that's still uh, top of mind. Um, You don't want to lose to a team like Detroit based on how they've started, but it is only 
you know, November 11th, as we discuss now, and um, there's still plenty of season left, and it's not really worth getting too worked up about uh, as long as it's kind of a one-and-done situation. And the Bruins had an opportunity to rebound on Sunday against the Philadelphia Flyers, and they went down 2-0, uh, were able to fight back, tie the game, and ultimately fall 3-2 in a shootout to the Flyers. And afterwards, uh, head coach Bruce Cassidy kind of alluded to the fact that uh, they've they've hit a bit of a wall here, starting the season off strong, coming back from the disappointing Game 7 loss, and, and just really... Um, starting off the season uh, very quickly and uh, in impressive fashion. Cassidy said, I think there's times you're going to lack a little energy. The October schedule I thought was good for us. Even though we started on the road, it was every second night, and I thought we were able to play through it. We got our appropriate rest. Now we're a little more intense in games, so maybe it's starting to hit us a little bit. But we've got to fight through it, and I thought we did at the end. So that's got to be a little more of a mentality. We talked about some time we thought the residual effect of last year. Maybe it's kicking in earlier than we thought. I don't know. We'll talk to the players about that and see where it leads. Uh, the Bruins looked very poor through the first half of this game. I think um, with about seven minutes left in the second period, they only had something like six or seven shots on goal. They finished uh, with... High 20s, I believe, but, um, you know, it just wasn't enough. At the beginning of the season, I think everything was just going right for this team. They were getting uh, timely goals. They were getting timely saves. It seemed like every time the puck hit David Pasternak's stick, it immediately went to the back of the net. Um, he's starting to get stymied a bit. You saw Jonathan Bernier make an amazing save uh, off Pasternak. What looked like uh, it was going to be a for sure goal. Bernier stuck out his his glove and was able to trap it. And uh, he also had glorious chance to tie or to take the lead, rather with about uh, 4:56 remaining in regulation. Brad Marchand sent Pasternak in on a breakaway with uh, just a dynamite pass. Uh, Pasternak was awarded a penalty shot, and it was turned away by Carter Hart. Uh, who also stopped all three of the Bruins' uh, shootout attempts uh, to give the Flyers the win. Uh, Pasternak, uh, I wasn't really impressed with the move that he put on in, in the penalty shot. He really hit the brakes and gave Hart uh, more of an opportunity to to focus in and, and see exactly what he was going to do. I think if he had just kind of sped in right in there and put a move on, he might have had more success, but um, that's just the way things are going right now. Uh, the Bruins did have another uh, goal that was wiped off. Looked like Par Lindholm had scored, but it was wiped off the board for goal interference. Um, seems like that's happening pretty regularly these days, but again, that's just part of the game. Uh, really unfortunate. And another thing to keep an eye on was the fact that Tory Crude suffered an upper body injury in the closing minutes of the third period. Did not play in overtime. Cassidy said he suffered a upper body injury. Uh, and we'll see how he feels on Monday. Um, so, yeah, not a great uh, stretch here for the Bruins. They're 1-2-1 and one in their last four, dating back to uh, last Monday's game against the Pittsburgh Penguins, uh, which they uh, 
as you remember, they were up 3-0 in that one, went down 4-3, and then eventually came back to win 6-4. Then they went on to lose to the Canadians, the Red Wings, and now the Flyers. So that's officially a three-game losing streak for the Bruins and enough to um, qualify it as an early season slump. Next up for the Bruins is a Tuesday game uh, against the Florida Panthers at home, and then a really tough home-and-home set coming up uh, this weekend. They're on the road. Sorry, not a home-and-home, but a back-to-back. They'll be in Toronto on Friday, and then they play at home against the Washington Capitals on Saturday. So two tough teams there coming up. Um, and as I've been saying on the podcast, I, I wouldn't sleep on the Panthers either. So that's what's coming up this week for the Boston Bruins. Just a quick look here at where the Bruins stand in terms of uh, the scoring race. David Pasternak lost his handle on the uh, scoring lead. He's now tied for second with Connor McDavid uh, with 30 points, 15 goals, 15 assists. Uh, he was held off the score sheet uh, last night. Uh, maybe the last two games, actually. Let's just take a quick look at his yeah, game log. He did not record a point against the Red Wings or the Flyers, so he's in a two-game goal point slump, but he still sits second in the NHL in scoring. Four points back of Leon Dreisaitl, who has 34 points now, uh, but he has only played 17 games, so he's got two games in hand on both Dreisaitl and McDavid. Brad Marchand sits one point back of... McDavid, he has 11 goals and 18 assists for 29 points. Pasternak does, however, still have the scoring lead in terms of goals. He has 15 goals in 17 games, one up on Leon Dreisaitl, who has 14 through 19 games. And then Matthews, Austin Matthews and Alex Ovechkin each have 13 points. If we look at points per game, Pasternak and Marchand still well up there. Drysaddle is now averaging 1.79, but Pasternak is at 1.76 and Marchand at 1.71. So there's a quick look at where uh, our two top leading scorers sit in terms of the NHL scoring race. So that's it for a look at the Bruins uh, over the past weekend. And uh, coming up here in a moment, we'll take a look at the Atlantic Division Power Rankings. So yes, the Bruins are regressing a bit, and like I said, they're one four, one two and one in their past four games. Let's see now how they stack up against the rest of the Atlantic Division with our weekly look at the uh, divisional power rankings. Coming in number eight, uh, which is a bit embarrassing considering the Bruins lost to this team on Friday, but it's the Detroit Red Wings. They are six twelve and one for thirteen points through uh, nineteen games. They have a Win percentage of 342, uh, which I'm pretty sure is dead last in the NHL. Um, so not a great look for the Bruins to have lost to this team, although they did. Oh, sorry. They are just a bit up on the Los Angeles Kings, who have a win percentage of 324 and only 11 points. Uh, the Red Wings did win again on Sunday against the Vegas Golden Knights. So uh, perhaps they're not as bad as their early season record indicates. The trade for Fabry seems to have given them a bit of uh, juice moving forward, but uh, for right now, they remain at the bottom of the Atlantic Division power rankings by virtue of the fact they've played 19 games and only have 13 points. Coming in at number seven will be the Ottawa Senators. They are tied with the Red Wings for a lowly 13 points. However, they've played only 16 games 
and uh, they have a record of six nine and one, win percentage of four oh six. Uh, they uh, beat the Carolina Hurricanes on the weekend. If you missed it, they scored two goals in four seconds, which was, I believe, a, a club record, not not an NHL record, but still impressive nonetheless. Uh, so the Senators coming in at number seven this week. Coming in at number six, and this is where we start to look at the importance of point percentage and other stats uh, other than just straight-up points. Toronto Maple Leafs right now are second in the Atlantic in points with uh, 22, three back of the Bruins. However, they have played 19 games. They have a record of 9, 6, and 4, and a win percentage of only 5, 7, 9. So I'm putting them in sixth place uh, this week by virtue of that. They also only have a uh, plus 3 Goal differential, they have scored 63 goals, but have allowed 60. Um, so the defense still very much a work in progress. And if we take a look at some underlying numbers, I mentioned last week uh, a stat called expected goals for, and that's kind of a uh, mashup of shot attempts, also uh, where the shot attempts are coming from. So in terms of high quality scoring chances, high danger scoring chances, uh, the Maple Leafs right now rank uh, 22nd with an expected goals for of 49.16. Uh, that's in a percentage form. And that means they are giving up uh, more expected goals per game than they are generating. Uh, part of that is due to Michael Hutchinson. Uh, he's really had uh, no uh, positive impact on this team at all. And uh, if the, the Maple Leafs don't want to drop those valuable points in the standings. They may need to upgrade at the um, goaltending, backup goaltending position. Uh, another blow for this team was the fact that Mitch Marner suffered an ankle injury on Saturday, and he's out for a minimum of four weeks. Uh, so that certainly hurts their uh, power status as well. So sixth place for the Maple Leafs this week. Coming in number five, the Buffalo Sabres. They were at one time the number one team. Uh, but they've dropped a bit as well. They're 9-6-2 and two for 20 points and a win percentage of 588 through 17 games. Uh, they lost both games last week against the Tampa Bay Lightning in Sweden. And uh, they're, uh, we mentioned earlier in the season that their goaltending uh, was really carrying them to uh, a hot start with Carter Hutton uh, in net. They have uh, dropped in terms of uh, save percentage and shooting percentage, their PDO now is uh, 100.8, uh, which means that they are, uh, yeah, they've regressed to kind of more what would be uh, thought to be expected uh, success rates in terms of shooting and saves. Uh, so maybe the current version of the Sabres is more uh, what we can expect moving forward, kind of a bubble team. Um, and uh, hopes of remaining in playoff contention, but uh, they may not be able to sustain that that hot start that they had, although it will certainly give them a boost moving forward. Coming in number four is the team that beat those Sabres uh, twice last week in Sweden. That would be the Tampa Bay Lightning. They're 8-5-2 for 18 points, an even uh, 600 point percentage. Uh, they do have a negative goal differential, which... Uh, is is concerning but uh, of course this is the Tampa Bay Lightning a powerhouse team uh, we can't ignore the fact that Braden Point was injured to begin the season he's starting to come on a bit 
This team seems to be, I wouldn't say they're not taking the regular season seriously, but they're not, um, I wouldn't say panicking at this point. They're really trying to figure out who they are, uh, develop an identity that will work better for them in the playoffs. Uh, we all know the success they had last season and where they ended up. Um, so I think this team really needs to tighten up defensively and also get um, expected goaltending from Andre Vasilevsky. But right now, based on how they performed against Buffalo, um, I'm putting them in fourth place. In third place, I'm going to put the uh, Florida Panthers. They're 8-4-5 and five through 17 games, 21 points. Good for third place in the Atlantic, tied with the Montreal Canadiens. They each have an identical point total and a point percentage. I'm going to give the Canadians uh, a, the boost uh, for reasons we'll see in a moment. But the um, Panthers, yeah, they're allowing 3.53 goals a game, but they're also scoring an exact 3.53 goals a game. Um, they have 35.1 shots a game compared to 30.2 against. So they're really um, strong in terms of kind of the uh, shots they're generating, the uh, shot attempts they're generating. I believe they are, yes, they're fourth in the NHL with a 52.99 Corsi rating. In terms of expected goals, they're, uh, let's see here, they're 11th with uh, 51.66. That, however, is second in the Atlantic to the uh, Montreal Canadiens, actually. So, uh, the story for the Panthers so far has been a lack of goaltending, and uh, you'd expect that to pick up at some point with Sergei Bobrovsky in the mix. But until that happens, uh, they won't really make a huge step up. But if that does happen, and they get, you know, the kind of goaltending that they expect from Bobrovsky, this team could be a real force to be reckoned with uh, down the stretch. Coming in at number two, therefore, is the Montreal Canadiens. Like I said, they have 21 points, a record of 9, 5, and 3. Win percentage of 618. They also have a pretty impressive, uh, well, not pretty impressive, but uh, a plus 7 goal differential. They, um, yeah, are exceeding my expectations so far this season. I I thought they'd be uh, decent with, uh, you know, like I've said before, they'll always have a chance with Price in net. Shea Weber has looked very strong for them. Um, they are getting scoring from the likes of, you know, Brendan Gallagher is leading the way for them. Max Domi, Jonathan Drouin seems to really have taken a step forward this season and become more of the player that he was expected to be. Um, so the Canadians, yeah, really, uh, impressing so far. They obviously beat our Bruins here last week. Um, the Bruins were playing the second, game of a back-to-back but that's not an excuse in today's NHL especially when the Bruins have two starting goaltenders like they do so um, yeah the the Canadians coming in at number two despite the Bruins struggles I'm still putting them up at number one they're uh, far and away the best record in the Atlantic 11-3-3 25 points which is uh, four or sorry three more than the Maple Leafs but uh, they do have two games in hand on the Maple Leafs uh, the second place team in terms of points, win percentage of 735. They still rank uh, number two in the NHL with a plus 17 goal differential. Uh, they're a positive possession team with uh, Corsi of 5164. Expected goals is 
lower than we would like to see. Their expected goal percentage is 49.7. Uh, so they really need to generate some more uh, kind of high danger scoring chances. Um, Pasternak leads the way in that, but, you know, the Bruins uh, need to get some more guys into those dirty areas, uh, high danger scoring areas. Uh, the Bruins PDO is at number 5, 102.1, meaning uh, they're still riding pretty high save percentage and um shooting percentage so we could be in for a bit more aggression here although like i said the bruins do have the benefit of those two starting caliber goalies so uh, their their save percentage shouldn't dip too much uh like i mentioned you know toronto's is leveled off between anderson and hutchinson but the bruins have rask and halak so it could stay a bit high uh, they need to really get their five on five scoring going power play has been a real bump for them so far this season. So if they can get that um, five-on-five scoring going, then they'll be in a better position uh, for sustain, sustained success moving forward. Now, speaking of scoring, here on Locked On Boston Bruins, we talk a lot about player performance, but that's not the only performance that might be on your mind. If you want to avoid an awkward conversation during your next doctor's visit, please check out BlueChew.com. Blue Chew is chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you'll be able to play a full 60, maybe even overtime. And because it's chewable, Blue Chew works fast. You'll never have to worry about being ready to go. Made in the USA, Blue Chew is prescribed online and ships straight to your door in discreet packaging, making the whole process easy, convenient, cheaper than pharmacy alternatives. Right now, we've got a special deal for listeners of the Locked On Boston Bruins podcast. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use our special promo code LOCKEDON. Again, that's BlueChew.com, promo code LOCKEDON to try it free. BlueChew makes it easy for you to perform with confidence. And now let's close the show today with a quick look around the NHL. The big story from this weekend happened off the ice. Uh, for those of you up in Canada, I'm sure you're well familiar with this story, but for uh, friends in the States, uh, you may know that Don Cherry said some very offensive remarks on Coach's Corner this past week. Uh, he's under fire for comments made where he said, um, talking about Canadian immigrants not wearing poppies, which is something that we do on Remembrance Day, which is uh, today, November 11th. Uh, he said, you people, you love your way of life. You love our milk and honey. At least you can pay a couple bucks for a poppy or something like that. These guys paid for your way of life that you enjoy in Canada. These guys paid the biggest price. Now, Sportsnet came out with a, a bit of a weak apology on Sunday. Ron McLean apologized on Twitter and also uh, during hometown hockey on Sunday night, which is a a uh, hockey night in Canada, their Sunday night show. Uh, he showed some uh, a decent amount of contrition. He didn't just apologize for those who felt offended. Ron McLean apologized for his silence, for giving thumbs up, uh, for not calling Don Cherry in the moment. Uh, so that was uh, pretty good to see. The problem is that uh, it doesn't appear as though Don Cherry is prepared to make any sort of apology. 
if we know anything about him, I'm sure he stands by his comments. And um, as of right now, it looks like he's going to be back on Hockey Night in Canada next Sunday. This, of course, all comes after remarks he made last week about Ottawa Senators forward Scott Sabrin, who was stretched off, as we all remember, during a game against the Bruins. Um, and he was kind of making light of the fact that his extremities were moving and um, that, you know, doesn't really seem to take brain injury seriously. This is um, a whole different level. Um, you know, I really think that Sportsnet should take the step to remove him from this position. Um, this isn't anything new for Don Cherry. This is who he is. Um, so it'll be very disappointing to see him back in that chair again next Saturday. I personally haven't watched Coach's Corner in years. Uh, only see the clips that are shared on social media of him saying egregious things, which seems to happen pretty much every week um, these days. So uh, we'll see how that story develops uh, as well. Another note from around the NHL, um, as I mentioned, Mitch Marner out for at least four weeks. So the Bruins play the Leafs coming up on Friday. Uh, they played the Leafs the last two times, uh, missing John Tavares. Now they'll be playing the missing Mitch Marner. Injuries happen. Um, don't feel too bad for the Leafs, but it's obviously better for hockey when players like Mitch Marner are in the lineup. He's really fun to watch. Um, for the Bruins, Jake DeBrusque, he missed both games over the weekend. So we'll see if he's ready to be back for Tuesday's game against the uh, Panthers and whether Tory Krug will be back as well. That's something to keep an eye on. Finally, if you believe the darkest corners of uh, rumor land, you'll have seen that the Bruins appear to be kicking tires on LA Kings forward Tyler Toffoli. And there's also a rumor out there that um, they were also inquiring about Kevin Fiala from the Minnesota Wild. Again, it's something that we've talked about on the podcast before. The issue of top six scoring the Bruins are a bit of a mess right now with injuries with uh, DeBrusque being out Brett Ritchie's hurt um, uh, Lindholm and Nordstrom were able to return to the lineup last night but uh, David Backus is still out so a lot of moving parts on the injury front for the Bruins we don't really have a, a gauge on what their lineup will be when everybody is healthy who might be sent back down to the AHL whether Seneshin and Bjork will remain up um, so we'll get uh, a better sense of where the Bruins are once uh, everybody's healthy. We all know that um, Don Sweeney isn't reluctant to make a move near the deadline. He's done so uh, over the past couple of years, acquiring Rick Nash and uh, then Johansson and um, Charlie Coyle last year. Um, so, yeah. We'll see what uh, what goes on there. Speaking of Seneshin, he, he skated 10 minutes, 10 seconds, 12 shifts in uh, Sunday's loss to the Flyers. Didn't record a shot on goal. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if he's sent back down once everybody's healthy. But I do uh, think he has shown enough to warrant uh, an extended look at this level. I would have liked to see him get some ice time three on three. You got really nothing to lose at that point. Uh, with his speed and skill, it would have been cool to see him out there. Um, but yeah, that's uh, a, a talking point for another day. That's it for today's episode. We will be back tomorrow, of course, with our daily look at the Boston Bruins. 
This is the Locked On Boston Bruins podcast. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Uh, tomorrow we'll take a look at Tuesday's game against the Florida Panthers. Tee that up a little bit. Thanks for taking the time to listen today. I hope you had a great weekend and you're going to have a, a great Monday. It's snowing up here today, so hopefully um, I'm able to get out tonight. I'm expected to go to an advanced screening of the new uh, Mr. Rogers movie, uh, which is, I think, Who Is My Neighbor? Is that what it's called? Oh, that was the documentary. This new movie starring Tom Hanks is called A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. Got 97% on Rotten Tomatoes so far. It doesn't release till the 22nd up here in Canada, but um, I've been invited to an advanced screening, so I'm pretty excited about that. And hopefully I'm able to drive to that safely with all the snow going on. But uh, I'll update you on that tomorrow and give you a quick uh, some quick thoughts on how the movie was. So yeah, have a great day, folks. Please follow the show at LO underscore Boston Bruins. If you don't already, follow me at ENC McLaren. And I hope that you, yeah, have a great day and uh, talk to you tomorrow. Peace.